stop bullying and shouting at the lower orders? Never! There's only one way to win a campaign. Shout, shout and shout again! This is Shot and Shield. Listening in in the Isle of Wight in England, Detroit, Michigan, and Regina, Canada, this is the Shot Shield Supercast, a podcast dedicated to 19th century wargaming and history, a program meant to be heard while you are painting your miniatures and building your terrain. I am your host, the Grand Duke Scott of the Duchy of Florida. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your patience while I get my voice back. As you can hear, it's a little on the raspy side. That's all right. I have a couple of things uh, for you uh, before I start answering some of your dispatches. Firstly, you know, as you listen to today's show, you'll notice that some of the segments will be in my normal voice and others will be in the voice you're hearing me right now in. Uh, I record this show in pieces, uh, and then I put it all together later. So some of the stuff I record uh, recorded prior to my voice having issues like this. I thought uh, I, I should explain it so when you hear it, you're like, okay, what's going on? Like, where, 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 what's going on with Scott, right? Uh, so anyway, so I thought that needed some explanation. So if you hear that, then you know what that is. Uh, next, if you've uh, visited the Shot Shield podcast wargaming group, you might have seen a post from friend of the podcast, Jonathan Ward, regarding Outpost Wargaming Services. If not, this is what was written. Uh, Jonathan wrote, uh, uh, might uh, be of interest to the group. It looks like Badger Games has brought Outpost 28 Miniatures line. And uh, and then, then it continues. This is taken from TMP. Uh, like many in the tight-knit community that is gaming, we, are, we were very sad to learn of the passing of Jeff Bevan of Outpost Wargame Services. On a personal note, uh, I was a longtime customer of Outposts later in the 2000s, Jeff was the first to take a risk on an unknown upstart little company called Badger Games. Jeff allowed us to represent his miniatures line in the U.S. and at conventions. We were very honored that he had the faith in us and took a leap to help us get started. Jeff was really nice guy and always there for advice and help. The Outpost lines are unique, wonderful lines, and much beloved. Most of the figures cover periods not covered anywhere else. This is a testament to Jeff's love of the hobby. We have seen a lot of type spent wondering what has become of the lines. Badger Games is pleased to announce that we have purchased all of the 28 millimeter molds of Outpost War Game Services. We plan to sort them out and place them in production over the next few months. We plan to add to and continue to expand the wonderful range Jeff created and are happy that we will be able to keep them in production available to the gaming community. So that was written by uh, Badger Games. Uh, let's see, it says, uh, we will receive the mold shortly and have to go through all of them to work them out and into our system. We hope to cast a package and begin to get these miniatures back on the market later in 2023. Look for new releases in 2024. Thank you. So that was written uh, by the folks over at Badger. And if you were like me, you were you were really saddened by Jeff Bevan's passing. I think it's been pretty clear since the beginning of the podcast that I've been a fan of uh, the Outpost figures. I have a lot of the sculpts uh, from Jeff in my collection, and uh, I've always been a fan of the Badger team, as you well know. So although it's unfortunate the way this came about, But, you know, I got to tell you, the Badger folks, they'll be good stewards of Jeff's work. You know, so I'm really excited uh, that uh, they picked them up. Um, It actually makes me feel like a real sense of pride in our community that we can keep somebody's somebody's stuff in our minds like uh, Jeff's stuff. So uh, that's that's outstanding. So anyway, so let's uh, move on. 
Let's get to those emails. Germany calling. London calling. Moscow calling. Washington, D.C. calling. Peking calling. Sydney calling. Message for you, son. It's time to answer some emails from all around the world. Uh, you too can email me at shineandshield at gmail.com. If you have any questions or retort or critique, or if you want to just make a suggestion, please email me and I will either answer you directly or share it on the show. Now, the first email here comes from Ira listening in Indianapolis. And Ira writes, Scott, I've seen your postings of you putting some of your collection on sale. What are you thinking, son? Are you getting out of 19th century? Are you getting out of the hobby? Why would you sell anything? Why not just keep it and then come back to it later? What are you doing? <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> I clear my throat a little bit. Uh, no. I, yeah, listen, I have a lot of reasons for selling stuff off. Firstly, uh, if I'm not going to play something, like, for instance, I'm not going to play anything World War II in the near future. This is not going to happen. Uh, I don't believe on holding on to it. It's just the way I think. It's my, it's my mindset. If, if it's in my collection then okay, fine. But if it's in my collection, I'm not going to game it. I'm not going to game it for a long time or there's something about it. I, I don't know. I just, I don't like holding on to things that I'm just not going to, I'm not going to use or I'm not messing around with. I have, there's so many, so much terrain that I've just ditched. Like I would spend a whole month working on a whole series of mountains and then I look at it and go, eh, and then I just throw it all away. Just throw it right in the dumpster. Uh, miniature wise, there's things I've purchased, I've painted, and then afterwards I look at it and go, bleh, bleh. Now, in my collection, my 19th century focus has been on the Silk Road prior to 1880, which is almost complete. And my next project uh, is going to be in the Caucasus region, 1820s. Uh, my miniature purchasing sometimes goes kind of awry, and I end up picking up stuff and painting it and think I'm going to place that stuff, and it just not... It's not working. I call it gaming creep, you know, where you see stuff and you're like, ooh, and you go and get it. And then afterwards, you're like, wow, when am I ever going to do this? <laughs> so I had purchased and painted up some 1877 Russo Turkish War Turks, right? Well, frankly, A, they were really easy to paint, but they also felt like a chore to paint. And I didn't really want to play Russo Turk 1877. I, I got to tell you, I hate the Russian uniforms with the kepi. You know, it just doesn't really do it for me. Uh, I don't really see any reason to hold on to them. You know, why take up space? You know, so that's kind of the way I look at it. So I sold them, and then I banked the money for uh, 1820 Turks. So that's all sitting in a bank ready to go, right? Now, the Afghan regulars I just sold, full units, Afghan Highlanders, Afghan regular infantry, cavalry, and artillery. I get why you think that I was out of my mind, but I got to be honest with you, <sighs> The Foundry Afghan Highlanders, when I first got them, I was really excited. I was like, oh, this is great. But then they're just too small. Like, literally, they're like 25 millimeter. They they look like hobbits in Highland gear next to the 28 millimeter Perry's Afghan regulars and artillery. You know, so it's like, although they're really good sculpts, they're really nice. They're just really too small. You know, so if I have them on the same board with the Perry's line, I, they they really do look like hobbits. You know, so it's kind of kind of nutty, and it drives me a little crazy. It's my OCD. Now the Perry Afghan regulars and the artillery, look, uh, you know, those are really well sculpted. Those guys did a great job. I'm not, not even complaining about the sculpts, 
but I will tell you that for me, I was, they weren't fun for me to paint. Like, I don't know why, but again, it felt like a chore. As I'm painting them, you know, I'm thinking, uh, even though the figures are really good, it's not really the figures I wanted. I, 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 I wanted the Af, uh, the Afghan regulars from Artisan, but I think I priced myself out, right? I talked myself into uh, the Paris line because of the way the pricing worked out via how many figs you get. Made me nutty. Now, the uh, Foundry Afghan Cavalry, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the Foundry Afghan Cavalry, again, is kind of kind of small against the, the Paris line. Again, hobbits on horses next next to the regular 28 millimeter figures. I, I see them. I look at them. I go, it's driving me crazy. My OCD kicks in and I can't do it. And so I, I sold them. I banked the money and I'll either use them to get uh, new artisan uh, Afghans or, or more 1820 Turks. I, I believe that your collection should reflect like what you're doing and what you want to play. Even though I'm very skin flintish when it comes to money. You know, that's why I do a lot of scratch building. If there's certain figures I want, I, I'm going to just go ahead and pay the price. You know, like, for instance, you know, the Black Husser Persians out of Germany. They're pricey. They're expensive, but they're, they're great figures. They're a great size. I need, I need to get more of them. So I'm kind of like saving up to, to get more of those guys. I, I'm not going to go to like a regular miniatures next to the other ones I got because the black custard ones I got, because it's just not, it's not going to be right. It's not going to feel right. And it's not going to look right from to me on the table. So anyway, so I'm, I'm being pretty particular about the figs I'm using. I, I can't help it. Like I said, it's the OCD in me. And you may also be saying, Scott, what about outpost war gaming services? Those miniatures, they're pretty small, 28 millimeter figures. They, they can be considered 25 mil also. Yes. And, and, and you're absolutely correct. But my whole, Circassian field force is all the same size. I wouldn't part with those ever. I may repaint them 5,000 different times, but they're going nowhere at all. They're all the same deal. The cavalry, the artillery, the, the it's all the same size. And so my OCD hasn't kicked in, right? So, but, uh, and they're great figs. They're just fantastic figs. So I, I guess maybe I, I don't like mixing my the sizing of my field force. So anyway, I hope that answers your question, but yeah, it's all, it's all particular. Like I said, sit there and look at some of the figures. Ah, no, I ain't going to do it. Ah, no, 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 I ain't going to do that. Or if I find something better or something easier or something sizable that I can replace stuff with, then maybe I'll sell whatever we painted just to replace it with what I have. You see what I'm saying? So, but I don't like holding on to stuff. You know, I had another email and I haven't written this down, but because it was about World War II, I had posted a picture of some World War II uh, stuff I had done because I was going to do, I was going to do Crete and I was going to do early World War II Egypt and uh, Libya and I had Italians, I had the Fallschirmjäger and uh, if I could say if I said that correct, uh, you know the German parachutists and uh, Eighth Army. I didn't like, <laughs> excuse me, I didn't like the trucks that some of the companies had for one seventy second scale. I just didn't. They didn't serve the purpose I wanted to use. I needed more than they were that, that they had. The cost was going to be outrageous. So if I wanted to get if I wanted to get twenty trucks, I'd have to have spent almost like five hundred dollars for the correct trucks, and then build them all and everything. I was like, well, if I'm going to build them, I'm just gonna 
I'm going to go to the dollar store. And I did. And I found a bunch of dump trucks, which I got. And I got a bunch of cardboard, which I got. And I just started carving and, 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 and building them. And in some cases, I took extra wheels and just built my own trucks out of cardboard. And when you look at them, you're like, wow, what kit is that? Well, I just built it out of cardboard. It it needs to serve a purpose. You see what I'm saying? So, but then I got sick of 172nd scale. I was like, I'm not going to play this. I didn't have anybody to really play with. And then I was, I was thinking about doing the Silk Road project. That's, ah, That's it. I'm done. And all sold. All of it. All the 172nd, all plastic. A plastic I had, I wanted to go to metals. I sold it all. And actually, it's only one guy. There was one guy in New Zealand bought them all. Everything. All the whole plastic line. Everything. It was astounding. I, I didn't realize there was people in the world that would just drop money like that. But apparently, there are. Weird. I used it all to buy the 28 mil. Anyways, like I said, I hope that answers your question. No, I'm not getting out of 19th century. I'm, I, I am, I'm in 19th century. I I love the 19th century. I do. I love the 19th century movies. You know, movies that are based in the 19th century, like Sherlock Holmes is one of my favorite movies. I just watched, uh, and I'll talk about this a little bit later, but uh, War and Peace, uh, the ni- uh, 2000, uh, 2016 BBC series. Oh, that was awesome. I think I'll put it on the uh, on the Shot and Shield uh, YouTube page. Uh, that's just f- fun stuff. I like the poetry. I like the artwork, the history. The war gaming. So, I mean, I'm just, I'm all in on the 19th century. Can't help it. This is me. Uh, anyway, so let's move on. Uh, second email here is from Derry listening to Shot and Shield on Amazon Music in Australia. And he says, Duke, mate, uh, did you see the trailer for the new Napoleon movie? I know that you mostly avoid Napoleonic stuff, but even you have to be excited by it. Keep up the good work. We love you in Aussie land. Thank you. Dairy for the love from Aussie land. Um, I have seen it. I'm pretty excited by it. I got so excited. Uh, as I said, just a minute ago, I started watching all kinds of Napoleonic stuff. I just been on a binge. So, uh, the sharp series, I just, I just rewatched the whole thing, uh, that you can see on the uh, shot and shield YouTube page. Uh, I just, uh, Binged watch the War and Peace uh, special from the BBC from 2016. I'm seriously, I just can't wait. I've been watching all kinds of Napoleon stuff. I don't know. I just got a bender, a bender. And this is this is what I was saying earlier about the figures. I'll get back to the finishing your uh, question uh, here, uh, uh, Derry, in just one second. Like I'm on a bender right now, watching all this stuff, and I see some of your great figures that you've put on the on on uh, Facebook or in, on Twitter of like Sharps practice and and uh, Napoleonic games that you've played. And I think to myself, oh, yeah. Or I watch one of these movies and I see some of the uniforms. I'm like, ooh, I just want to pick up the phone and start buying miniatures or get online and just start buying miniatures and just go for it because I'm inspired. And then I get them all. I go painting them. And then it's like, I'll never play this. <laughs> You know, anyway, so, so that's where I, that's where I, that's where I go nutty. And then I probably would sell them all and it would just be a, this weird circular type deal. But uh, no, I, I uh, seriously can't wait for this Napoleon movie. I think they're going to totally abuse, abuse history in it. I, I do. I feel that Ridley Scott's going to look at history and go, uh, let's see, I'm going to make a good story out of little pieces of history and I'm really going to abuse this. So, but I will say this, I do want to, I recorded a watch along uh, and I recorded this before my voice left me. So that's coming up. I'm going to do that a little bit later. So Derry, I'm with you there, buddy. 
Uh, next email here is uh, from a guy calling himself Old Hammer, but has not revealed where he listens or what app he listens on. Look, people, let me know where you live. Let me know what app you're using, please. It's good stuff, you know? Anyway, Old Hammer writes, my Lord Scott, hey, I'm a Duke, not a Lord. <laughs> uh, Black Adder fans will get that. Sorry. All right. All right. Uh, anyway, Old Hammer writes, my Lord Scott, you never revealed the results of the poll about miniature wargaming being an art form. So what is it? Actually, you know, there's a couple of things I need to I need to clear up. A couple, a couple of things that I need to just t- you know work out, right? Uh, and the things I've been me- meaning to address for the last couple episodes, and I failed to do so, which I apologize for. And this is this is one of them. Another one is one about a a really good email I got from a from a, a young lady about a good one-person game systems. Uh, And I did another poll and I asked a bunch of questions. I never put the information on the podcast. So here we go. Firstly, the artistry uh, poll, that was mixed. About 60% saying it was art and 30% saying it wasn't art. And 10% was trying to figure out what art is. (laughs) But I got to tell you, I still feel it's artistry. Uh, The miniature is a canvas. And what we do with that canvas is up to you right? So that's the art. Even if you view the miniature as like a color by numbers canvas, you still have to pick the color and apply it. Secondly, to wrap up a question from a few episodes back regarding good rule sets for one person games, a lot of war gamers picked uh, the men who would be kings, but I still think you can use any system you want. Just play both sides. There was another suggestion, which was really interesting uh, for playing with others uh, that don't live near you. It's called video gaming or Zoom gaming, where game masters hold a game on Zoom and players play on Zoom. I have this like vague idea how it might work, but I'm not really too sure. Uh, definitely an interesting idea. Um, I, I, you know, I might do something uh, like that in the future for Shot and Shield, sort of like a Shot and Shield presents a Zoom game. Uh, but maybe that's that's sort of in the future. So anyway, uh, Old Hammer, thank you for writing. Uh, and I hope that answers your email. All right, so here's an email from uh, Arnie in Quebec. And he writes, uh, Scott, even though I'm not sure you would call it colonial wargaming or even 19th century wargaming, but have you considered doing something about the Great White North on your podcast, Mounties and Eskimos, or is that too pulp for you? I love to hear what you come up with, especially for those who are not aware of this or have never heard of it. Thank you. Great show. I listen to your show on Apple Podcasts. Arnie, uh, thank you very much. It's it's not pulp to me. I mean, it is pulp to me, but it's not. I consider it part of 19th century. So in this case, it would be 19th century pulp. Uh, and this is all in my wheelhouse. Uh, so in this program, I decided... Uh, I'm going to do something about it. Uh, yeah, I'm going to do some stuff. So uh, I'm going to break down a starter kit. I'll t- I call it an audio starter kit for those interested in gaming the Great White North. You know, rules, miniatures, terrain, stuff like that. And I got. And I'm also going to dig out some challenge of the Yukon shows to close the show. That's an excellent, you know, can I tell you, that's an excellent suggestion. I love it. Arnie, thank you for the inspiration, my man. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So that's, you know what, that's going to be it for the emails and communications, your dispatches. You too can uh, dispatch me or email me at uh, shotshield at gmail.com. If you have a question, a retort, a critique, or you want to make a suggestion just like Arnie did, 
please email me and I'll answer you either directly or share it on the show. Now, later on, like I said, I'll have the audio starter kit for the Great White North and I'll close the show with uh, presenting, let's say, let's go with five selections from Challenge of the Yukon. They're, they're less than 15 minutes each. So let's just bust out five of them and really do a good job. Uh, coming up, let's do the watch along of the trailer for Ridley Scott's a Napoleon movie. And that's next on Shot and Shield. This is Shot and Shield. It's going to hurt you a lot more than it will me, I'm happy to say. A podcast dedicated to colonial and 19th century war gaming. Discipline makes the strength of armies. Shot and Shield. The Shot and Shield YouTube channel is one of the places you can hear the podcast, but also where you can stay caught up on your favorite 19th century style movies, like the first 14 episodes of the masterpiece theater classic, Sharp, as well as movies I've reviewed on the podcast in a special Shot and Shield Presents playlist. You can also see clips of battles played out from Hollywood and documentaries as well. Go to YouTube, search out Shot and Shield, and subscribe today. Shot and Shield, a podcast dedicated to colonial and 19th century war gaming. This is Shot and Shield. Shot and Shield is brought to you by Dr. Harold's Hobby Supplies, a one-stop shop for tools, paint, glue, brushes, wargaming bases, display stands, model trees, static grass, dice, dice trays, and terrain materials, and even some miniatures. New items added every week. Dr. Harold's is a new dropship site, and it's growing. See the growth at drherald.myshopify.com. That's drherald.myshopify.com. Dr. Harold's Hobby Supplies, a proud sponsor. Sponsor of Shot and Shield. This is Shot and Shield. It's going to hurt you a lot more than it will me, I'm happy to say. A podcast dedicated to colonial and 19th century war gaming. Discipline makes the strength of armies. Shot and Shield. again for joining me for this episode of Shot and Shield. I am uh, about to bust out a watch along for the trailer of Napoleon. Now, according to IMBD, the film expected to be at theaters during the Thanksgiving time in November, it takes a personal look at Napoleon Bonaparte's origins and his swift, ruthless climb to emperor viewed through the prism of his addictive but and often volatile relationship with his wife and one true love, Josephine. Now, it's written by David Scarpa, uh, directed by Ridley Scott. You know Ridley Scott. He's been doing a Gladiator, Black Hawk Down. He's done a lot of movies. And it stars Joaquin Phoenix as Napoleon. Uh, you have Vanessa Kirby as Josephine. For those uh, who love The Crown, she played Princess Margaret in the first season. Really good. Uh, and then there's uh, Ben Miles. He plays uh, Colin Court or Colin Quoi or wh- however it's pronounced. I don't know. 
I don't know French. Uh, and anyway, he was also in The Crown's first season playing uh, Princess Margaret's uh, love interest. So those two are back together again. And also, the, another star of note, I saw this in the uh, IMBD notes, uh, Ian McNeese, who was in the Sci-Fi Channel's outstanding rendition of Dune, HBO's Rome, and he was also the gas-breaking wagon master in the Sharp series. <laughs> He's awesome. I love that guy. Anyway, so here we go. So this, uh, there's some good stuff here, and I, I want to do this. Uh, this, if you go right now, if you go to the Shot Shield YouTube channel, you can watch along, and I'll give you a second to get there. So here we go. One, two, three. All right. So, you know, first off, Napoleon in Egypt, cool cavalry charge, cool fire, nice being crowned, cool, no problem. You got Marie Antoinette being guillotined. You got got to have the setup, right? Cool, cool. Getting hit with stuff, pelted. A little talking. And then, you know, the whole (laughs) damn slice. Uh, 12-pounders used to quell a riot. Novel. Okay. I guess we know who the boss is now, right? You got Napoleon meeting up with Josephine. I get it. You know, you got to set it up. What is this costume you have on? This is my uniform. Oh, it's his uniform. Uh, Storm in the Castle. I'm thinking Italy. More party. The French bombarding a navy. Cool, cool. Um, more party. Party hard, dude. the course of my life has changed. Uh-oh. Napoleon in Egypt. The Sphinx. I love this. The Battle of the Pyramids. I would pay just to do that. So you got a cavalry charge. I'm thinking Battle of the Nations. Uh, Napoleon getting some love from his troops. Uh, Napoleon storming the castle with the old guard. I guess who I know the boss is, right? Yeah. Well, long live the emperor. Another cavalry charge here. I'm thinking Battle of Waterloo because of the squares, fire, some ice. Uh, him being a man slut, getting some love, him being more of a man slut, some more fire, him showing up, and now him and Josephine just kind of hanging out, chit-chatting. Napoleon, I love that map. The map right there is awesome. You got uh, winter. You know what? That's Austerlitz. It has to be. Nice. I I like the... It's a trap. It's a trap. A little call out to Star Wars. I got to tell you, the history misinterpretation of the ice a little bit. So eh, you got to go with it. All right. Napoleon. Yeah. So now that that's it. There you go. See, it's just just a quick, a quick trailer for the movie Napoleon. I like the little shout out, the little Star Wars shout out. You know, it's a trap. <laughs> and you, you, unfortunately, because of the way the movies are nowadays, you got to have the manslaught in there. It is what it is. Um, some good battle scenes. If you saw the cavalry charge in there, uh, there was. I, I was thinking it was the Battle of the Nations. Also, it could have been Waterloo, but I did see some Waterloo in there. I saw the. I think it's the Battle of Austerlitz, and I know there. You know, here's the thing. Uh, it's Ridley Scott. This dude is going to play with history. 
He isn't going to do this historically correct. There's going to be a lot of misinterpretations of history in this to help further along the story and make it, you know, palatable for most people who don't care about history. When I say that I would pay the cost just to see the Battle of the Pyramids done in a big scale like that. I've seen some clips and some movies where they've tried to do the Battle of the Pyramids, but just the few scenes in the trailer, I'm like this, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> so there you go. That's a little watch along for uh, the trailer, Napoleon, that's supposed to be coming out uh, during Thanksgiving uh, of this year. It is going to be what it is. I'm not sure if it's going to be in theaters or it's going to be on Apple. I guess we'll find out when it happens, right? So coming up on uh, Shot and Shield is going to be what I call an audio starter kit for the Great White North. And that's next on Shot and Shield. This is Shot and Shield. Hi ho tip tip from Bernard, your uncle. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of... Uh, Oh, hello. You just caught me, famous podcaster and influencer Duke Scott, reading in my study. You know what? Since you're here, let me tell you about a great way to connect with uh, our Shot and Shield gaming community. It's through social media. On Facebook, the Shot and Shield Podcast Wargaming Group, where you can find a lot of info about this podcast, but also get wargaming and painting advice from our member experts. You can even learn how to dress like a true 19th century hero from friend of the podcast, Claude Bailey. If you have any questions or comments, you can also hit us up on Twitter at Shot and Shield or email me at shotandshield at gmail.com. When you get to the Facebook group, the Twitter feed, or even the YouTube page, like, subscribe, and if you feel inclined, share what you like. Now, if you'll excuse me, Charles Dickens awaits. Shot and Shield is a production of the Experience 13 Podcast Network. This is Shot and Shield. I'm waiting for an explanation. A podcast dedicated to colonial and 19th century wargaming. Looks bad in the newspapers and upset civilians at their breakfast. This is Shot and Shield. You can hear Shot and Shield on any podcast app or on the web, Apple Podcasts, uh, Ghana, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Plus, I've started putting the podcast on YouTube as well, and I thank you for listening. As suggested earlier from listener Arnie from Quebec, I'd like to continue the thought process regarding the Great White North. Of the earliest days of the Northwest Mounted Police, the year was 1876. The force was only three years old, and in scattered posts from Edmonton to Fort Calgary to Fort McLeod, from Battleford to Maple Creek to Fort Walsh, we were trying to bring the law and keep the peace throughout thousands of square miles. The great lone land it's been called, land of prairies and lakes and mountains, beautiful, peaceful. But in those days, it was a powder keg. To prevent that was our job. In the movies, it's the Canadian Mounted Police where they always get their man. In the cartoons, it's the bumbling but lucky Dudley Do-Right thwarting the evil man in the black top hat. 
And in radio, as you will hear later, it's Sergeant Preston and his dog King facing the challenges of the Yukon. I am presenting you with this uh, audio starter kit as it were, for those of you who have never considered gaming this area of the 19th century. If you're already in the know, then I hope you'll join the Shot and Shield podcast wargaming group on Facebook and add to the conversation or post some of your pictures of your miniatures from the Great White North. Now, before we get into figures and terrain, I'd like to cover some of the wargaming or gaming rules that are out there. And and by the way, I'm sure there's probably a ton of these, but I'm just going to cover the ones that I know uh, or that I've played and that I've heard of. All right. So like I said, I'm sure there's more out there, but these are the ones I present to you that I'm just aware of. Uh, If you decide you're going to game, do a small pulp game or a small pulp scenarios, then I think you're looking at like Pulp Alley, uh, the Pulp Alley games or or from Bob Murch's uh, Rugged Adventures. Now, I don't know a lot about Pulp Alley, but I have seen some really good reviews for it. So I want to make sure to mention them here. As for Rugged Adventures, these are free at pulpfigures.com and they're really, they're really good. I've downloaded them and used them myself for some Silk Road pulp scenarios that I adjusted uh, Rugged Adventures for. And I just use that as sort of a core set. Now, if you're looking to do a larger skirmish size game, then I'd stick to uh, the men who would be kings or I'll, I'll add blood and steel uh, to this as well. Both of these will need to have some adaptions made, but I think that you can easily do this using like uh, the U.S. Civil War or the Pony uh, War traits that are in these uh, in these rule sets. Now, I know what you're thinking, but Scott, the Canadian Mounted Police would be searching for a murderer or a ne'er-do-well. Yes, but if uh, the Canadian Mounted Police needed to be used in a platoon or a company-type style fight, maybe against uh, Indigenous Peoples Uprising or a riot of minors, or even a jailbreak of like the the crazy 'er ne'er-do-wells, right? Then you'd have some scenarios where a skirmish game might do very well. So that's something to consider. Let's talk terrain. <laughs> I got to tell you, this is where I got you covered. I, I love terrain. I'm not like the guy that gets on like, uh, uh, what's it, the Terrainiac, uh, who is amazing, amazing artist. Uh, if you know who I'm talking about, great. If you don't, don't worry about it. But let me tell you, I love terrain and I like doing it on the cheap. I really do. This is where I'm like on the cheap where I can still make it look good. So I'm the guy who has you covered there. All right. So hear me out. First thing you need to do when you're talking about the terrain, you're talking about the mat. You take a white sheet and you take spray paint and you spray paint one side of it green and brown. You let it dry, then flip it over on the table with the white side up. Instant snow. I'm telling you, it looks fantastic. It really does. It looks like the snow is covering up the the ground. You throw some towels or foam underneath the underneath the uh, mat to create some hills and you're set. Also, every Christmas, and I've done this, the hobby and art stores have this set of 20 snow-covered pine trees for 25 bucks. That's before Christmas. After Christmas, this is where you clean up. You go into these stores, you can grab them for like five bucks or less. That way you can have, you know, easily uh, 80 trees 
for 20 bucks. That's good stuff, right? And, and this way you can scatter them all over your table and that's really going to look like the Yukon. It's going to look like the Great White North. And if you want, you can add some Western style buildings from some 3D, from your favorite 3D shop. But in my mind, I'm just going to pick up some Lincoln Logs. That's right, Lincoln Logs. I'm going to do up a fort or a prison or maybe a cabin, make a couple of log cabins for buildings out of the Lincoln Logs. And Lincoln Logs, they're all over the place. You don't have to get the actual Lincoln Logs. You can get the, the generic brands and they'll do just fine. Somebody out there is going, oh, I see your mindset there, Scott. Exactly. Now, the reason I try to keep terrain on the, you know, I'm going to say it on the cheap. It's just inexpensive. You're not being cheap. You're just being inexpensive. You're being thrifty. You're kind of be really kind of paying attention to your wallet, right? Because you're going to need your wallet because the figures are a little pricey. Saddles and boots jogging along. All right, so we're talking figures now. Figure-wise, let me start with 54 millimeter. Yes, I know you're like, 54 millimeter? What? 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 Yes, because I know there's gamers out there who love the size, and there are two companies that I know of that spring to mind that carry 54 millimeter uh, Mounties and the like. Uh, it's a Valiant and Empire. Those are the two that come to mind. I don't even, I don't know anything about them, but I'm sure there's some of you out there that are like, oh yeah, I know all about this. And then you'll go to the Shot and Shield podcast wargaming group on Facebook and you'll just write it in there and you'll post some of your pictures. I know you're going to do that because if you don't, I'll find you. Okay, I really won't, but you know what I'm talking about. The other reason I, I mentioned the 54 millimeter, uh, because this is a starter kit and you should be aware of that. And the 54 millimeter will look better with the Lincoln Logs. It just will, right? Now in 25 millimeter, you got Old Glory and they have a very suitable line and they have all kinds of figures. And the figures uh, that you get from Old Glory, the figures themselves are pricey, but you do get a lot of them for the price. So that's something to keep in mind. Now in 28 millimeter, Tiger Miniatures has a very passable grouping in a, at a really reasonable price. However, in my 28mm world, there's only pulp miniatures from Bob Merch. I'm not being paid to say this. He ain't like paying me. I mean, if he wants to float me some freebies, God bless you, Bob. But it, it doesn't have to happen. I'm still loving Bob Merch. His sculpts are fun to paint. There, isn't a, there is not a miniature that I've ever gotten from Bob that I have not had a blast painting. Like literally, I sat down. I sat down with the, the Gunga Din line of miniatures from Bob Merch, and I, I spent like a month just making sure everything was just right. And they were so much fun to paint. And I could see this set being just as much fun. Uh, his sculpts, like I said, they're fun to paint. They have a lot of personality. And if I'm going to invest any sort of money into the Great White North, this is I'm buying these. This is where I'm going. And they are a little pricey, but absolutely, the, you get the quality and you get the best. In his catalog, uh, his set is listed under the Yukon Peril 
slash Northland Adventures line. And it features some Mounties, some Trappers, and some tough guys, plus a moose. Got to have a moose if you're doing the Great White North. And something called Northland Critters, which is like uh, you need to get a rabbit and a coyote or a wolf or a beaver or something like that. And that's always fun when you're going to add that to the terrain uh, when you're doing uh, anything regarding the Great White North. That's, that's it. That's the audio starter kit. Suggestions for rules, terrain, figures. Now it just needs you to jump in if you'd like, because up next on Shot and Shield, you will be inspired by Challenge of the Yukon. This is Shot and Shield. Good luck against those elephants. Shot and Shield is brought to you by Dr. Harold's Hobby Supplies. A one-stop shop for tools, paint, glue, brushes, wargaming bases, display stands, model trees, static grass, dice, dice trays, and terrain materials, and even some miniatures. New items added every week. Dr. Harold's is a new dropship site, and it's growing. See the growth at drherald.myshopify.com. That's drherald.myshopify.com myshopify.com Dr. Harold's Hobby Supplies a proud sponsor of Shot and Shield Hey, what the blaze is this? A podcast dedicated to colonial and 19th century wargaming Alright, Marines This is Shot and Shield The Shot and Shield YouTube channel is one of the places you can hear the podcast, but also where you can stay caught up on your favorite 19th century style movies, like the first 14 episodes of the Masterpiece Theater classic, Sharp, as well as movies I've reviewed on a podcast in a special Shot and Shield Presents playlist. You can also see clips of battles played out from Hollywood and documentaries as well. Go to YouTube, search out Shot and Shield, and subscribe today. This is Shot and Shield. Oh, damn. Get your gun, get your gun, get your gun. Take it on the run, on the run, on the run. Hear them calling you and me. Every son of liberty. Hurry right away, no delay, go away. Make your daddy glad to have had such a lad. Tell your sweetheart not to find to be proud. Her boy in my life. Thank you. 
thank you so much for listening to Shot and Shield, the Supercast. I would like to invite you to join the Shot and Shield podcast wargaming group on Facebook. Uh, subscribe to the uh, Twitter feed at Shot and Shield as well. Uh, that's a lot of information comes out. If you're if you're wondering where this podcast was, uh, since I didn't uh, uh, drop it on the first of the month, I, now you're listening. You're going, oh, okay, I understand now. But uh, I did communicate that on the, the Facebook and the Twitter. Now we had a suggestion earlier in the program from Arnie in Quebec about doing uh, doing stuff about the Great White North. I've already busted out a, a tutorial, sort of like a an audio starter kit for uh, the Great White North. Uh, but I also wanted to include some inspiration. Some great inspiration is a show called Challenge of the Yukon. And it's from uh, the radio station WXYZ uh, in, in the 40s. They did uh, a great, great audio, uh, some great audio plays. Uh, and Challenge of the Yukon features uh, Sergeant Preston of the Yukon and his dog, King. And Sergeant Preston is a Mountie, and he's he's dealing with all kinds of shenanigans in the Yukon Gold Rush. And there's like over 600 episodes. The first episodes uh, were 15 minutes, and then they went to uh, a half hour. So they started out as serials, and then they went to shows. And uh, like I said, WXYZ did a fantastic job, as heard on the Michigan Radio Network. So for those of you in the oven mitt of uh, the United States, you're going to listen and go, yeah, that's what we're talking about. Uh, Detroit did you proud. Now I chose five episodes here, all of them, some of my favorites. I didn't start, I didn't just take the first five episodes from the 600. I just picked and choose uh, a few of them. All these are from 1945. The first one is Blizzard in the Yukon. And this is a Dick Summers, a miner, recently struck it rich and he's found murdered on the trail. Let's see how Sergeant Preston and King handle it. The challenge of the Yukon. And King on your money. Underdog King, swiftest and strongest of Eskimo lead dogs, blazes the trail through storm and snow for Sergeant Preston as he meets the challenge of the Yukon. Sergeant Preston was typical of the small band of Northwest Mounted Police who preserved law and order in the new Northwest country where the greed for wealth and power led to frequent violence and bloodshed. But in spite of the odds against them, Sergeant Preston and his wonder dog king met that challenge and justice ruled triumphant. Dick Summers, a young prospector, had been missing for almost a week. Fred Hutton, his partner, had been away and could find no trace of him when he returned. Fred had called in the Mountie Sergeant Preston to help find Dick, who had struck gold while his partner was away. A blizzard had been raging for two days, but was finally subsided when Preston started his search for Dick Summers at his claim about a mile from their cabin. Fred Hutton was with him. Oh, how are you, Malamutes? Here we are, Sergeant. To the left of the creek, that hole in the rock... That's where we've been working. That snow sure covered everything. Here, King, let's have a look near that cave in the rock. There's some of his tracks, but I can't tell when he made them. Here, King, see these tracks? Find him, boy. You understand everything you say? Just above. Look at him circle, picking up the scent. 
He'll probably just lead us back to the cabin. He has it. Come on, Fred. We'll follow him. Beats me how he can follow a trail under that snow. The wind has kept it thin in spots. He seems to know where he's going. I wish he wouldn't go so fast. He'll get out of sight in this woods. He's found something. Hurry. We're coming, boy. Well, what you doing? There's nothing around here. What is it, boy? He's smelling around the ground there. Now, look, he's digging. What is it, fella? A lot of branches under this heap of snow. Help clear these off, will you, friend? Yeah. Well, it it looks like a body. It is a body. Here, help me get that big branch off. Sergeant, it's Dick. Yes, Fred. I'm sorry. Somebody murdered him. Look at his head. This is hard for you, Fred. I know he was almost like a son to you. Yeah. But we'll find his murderer. Fred, don't say anything about this for a while. We'll cover him up again. Whoever did this did it in a hurry. He didn't take time to bury the body. You mean leave Dick here like this? Not bury him? Well, temporarily. Whoever did it may come back to finish the job. It's snowing hard enough to cover our tracks. I... I hate to do it, but you say so. I'm going into town. You say he was last seen at that new cafe? Yeah. Pete Larson told me he saw him there talking to the entertainer. Her name's Lolita. Lolita. I think I'll talk to her. You're the first Mountie I ever saw. I thought they rode horses and wore red coats. Oh, not always, Lolita. We use dogs in the winter, and the red coats are only for dress. Oh, this dog of yours is beautiful. I like him. What's his name? Why, uh, his name's King. <clears throat> he seems to like you, too. You haven't been in this part of the country long, have you? Uh, no. No, I was in San Francisco. I was out of a job, and things were getting pretty bad when I met Chris Jenkins. He was opening this place. He offered you the job, and you took it. I, I had to take it. I was very broke. You don't look like the regular type of entertainer. Do you like it? Let's not talk about me. Why, you look frightened just then. Frightened? Me? Oh, no, Sergeant. Uh, wouldn't you like something to drink? Lolita, did you happen to meet a man here last week by the name of Dick Summers? Dick Summers? Oh, yes, the young prospector had just made a strike. Yes, he was celebrating. Yes, Joe? Chris sent me over here to tell you to take care of them customers. Over at that table, the other side of the room. Well, they seem to be getting along all right. I just sat down here a minute ago. Hello, why? But he said to tell you to go over there right away. Well, I'll go over in a few minutes. I'm busy now. Okay, kid. There's no skin off my nose if you do or if you don't. Why do you suppose Chris sent him over here? Maybe Chris doesn't like Mounties. Where do you stay, Lolita? In a cabin about a block from here. It used to belong to Jim Davies. Oh, yes, I know where it is. Uh, you were telling me about Dick Summers. Dick Summers? Oh, the prospector. <laughs> well, he was spending money like water. Buying drinks for the house. Hang. Lolita. Don't want to do what you're told in this place. You can get out of here. Oh, Chris. But Chris, Sergeant Preston is... Maybe Chris doesn't consider me a customer, Lolita. She's hired to talk to customers who buy drinks. Quiet, King. Also, I don't like dogs in this place. I'm sure my dog returns the compliment. He doesn't like your place. Come on, King. We're leaving. Good night, Lolita. Good night, Sergeant. This way, King. We'll go over to her cabin and wait for her. 
frightened me. I wondered who had lighted a candle in here. I hope you don't mind my coming in here and waiting for you. The door was open. No, no, not at all, but I... Lolita, come sit down. All right. You're afraid of something. What's the matter? Nothing. Why didn't Chris want you to talk to me tonight? He didn't say. He didn't like it, did he? Is it because he heard us talking about Dick Summers? Dick Summers? Lolita, I want to help you. I know you're afraid of Chris. Why? Oh, if only I hadn't come up here. I am afraid. For the past week, I've been afraid of him. There's something... Well, something evil about him. He was so angry tonight, he, he said he was coming here to talk to me. Coming here tonight? Yes. Lolita, I'm going to tell you something. Dick Summers is missing. Missing? I want you to help me. You were one of the last people to see him, and I wish you'd tell me all you can. Well, there isn't much to tell. He ordered champagne for everybody. Chris told me to sit with him. And later, Chris joined us. Summers told us about the rich strike he had made. And... Go on, Lolita. Try and remember everything. Well, Chris kept asking where it was. Did Dick say anything about having a partner? Partner? No, not that I remember. Well, go on. What happened then? Well, after a while, Chris told me to leave. I left them together. Maybe I shouldn't have told you this. If Chris found out... You say he's coming here tonight? He said he was. Maybe you'd better go. If he finds you here, he'll be furious. I have to go over now and see the claim agent. Jim Peters? He'll be sleeping. I'll have to wake him. I don't like to leave you alone if Chris is coming. You think it's dangerous, too? Maybe you'd better not let him in. There's something wrong with the lock on my door. That's why you got in. Lolita, if I promise to get you safely back to San Francisco, would you be willing to help me? Oh, yes. That's what I want more than anything. I'm going to leave King with you. You'll be safe then, even if you say what I'm going to ask you to say to him. Yes, as soon as he leaves tonight, bring King over to the Peters' cabin and I'll meet you there. Mrs. Peters will keep you there for the night. Yes. Now, I want you to tell Chris that I was asking about Summers. Let him know that I know he's missing. Get him angry if necessary, but lead him on to talk. is broken. Maybe you know that. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Why do you want to talk to me, Chris? I want to know why you suddenly got so chummy with the law tonight. Well, is there anything wrong with that? I heard about Preston. He wasn't interested in you. He wanted to find out something. Oh? Is there something he could find out? Now, you mind your own business. You're working for me, remember? Now, what was he asking you? Nothing. Just who'd been in the cafe lately. What do you mean, who'd been there? Well, he's looking for a man by the name of Summers. Summers? What'd you tell him? I told him he'd been there Friday night. Why couldn't you keep that blabbing mouth of yours shut? What do you mean? Didn't you want him to know that it's Summers... none of his business who comes there. Now, what else did you tell him? Did you say I was with Summers? Oh, yes. You were oh, with Oh, I'd like to pull that wagging tongue of yours out of your silly head. Why didn't you want Preston to know? Chris, you've done something to Summers. You're smart. You'll keep your nose out of this. If I see you talking to that mountain again, why... I've been frightened all week. I knew you'd done something wrong. Maybe you know a little more than is good for you. Maybe you won't be smart enough to shut up either. Will you see these hands of mine? 
They'll just fit around that pretty throat of yours, see? Hey, where'd that dog come from? All right. Why don't you come and put your hands around my throat? If I had my gun... Now get out of here. Get out before I tell King to do what he'd like to do so much. been if King hadn't been there. Hello, boy. So you watched out for it, did you? Oh, he was wonderful. Chris threatened me. You were right. He has committed some kind of crime. He tried to file Dick Summers' claim. We just discovered it. I didn't tell you before, Lolita. Dick Summers was murdered. Murdered? You mean Chris... He must have followed Dick out to his claim the day after Summers was at the cafe. Was he worried when you told him I was looking for Dick? He was wild. He threatened to kill me if I talked to you again. Hand me my coat, Peters. I've got to get out to Dick's claim. I'll pick Fred up on the way. But why rush out there now? Chris won't be digging gold out there tonight. He may be digging something else. He didn't bury Dick. The blizzard kept him from doing it. He doesn't know we found the body, and if there's no body, there's no evidence. Therefore, he'll try to dispose of it, but we intend to get there first. Come on, King. Good night, and thanks. Just about there, aren't we, Fred? Yeah. It's left here through the woods. Don't go near the place where Dick is covered. Our tracks would show in this fresh snow. We'll find a place to hide downwind in case he brings a dog team. Here, this thicket'll do. I'll cut some branches. Might as well be comfortable. We'll probably be here all night. Quiet, King. Fred, get down here. King here's something. It's him, all right. We almost missed him. He's got a lantern. What's he looking at the trees for? He probably nicked the trunks to mark where he put the body. There. He's located. King, circle him, boy. Come up behind him. Behind him, you hear? All right, boy. Get going. Ready? Give King time to get behind him. He may try to run. All right. Come on. Put up your hands, Chris. You're under arrest. Who are you? Now don't try anything funny. My dog's right behind you. One word from me and you'll be torn to pieces. Sergeant Preston, I can't thank you enough for sending me back. You helped me, Lolita. I'm just returning a favor. I'll return this passage money just as soon as I can. Oh, just take your time about that. You stay with Mrs. Peters' sister. She'll help you find work. All right. Off the gangplank! Well, I guess you'd better get aboard, Lolita. Well, thank you again. And goodbye. Goodbye, King. Goodbye. Goodbye. Good luck. Goodbye, Sergeant. Goodbye. Yes, King. She's a fine little girl. There goes the boat, old boy. Now I guess the case is closed.
the challenge of the Yukon. On King! On you husky! <laughs> the Wonder Dog King, swiftest and strongest of Eskimo lead dogs, blazes the trail through storm and snow for Sergeant Preston as he meets the challenge of the Yukon. <laughs> Sergeant Preston was typical of the small band of Northwest Mounted Police who preserve law and order in the new Northwest country where the greed for wealth and power led to frequent violence and bloodshed. But in spite of the odds against them, Sergeant Preston and his wonder dog king met that challenge and justice ruled triumphant. Sergeant Preston seldom had to go north of the Arctic Circle though that area was definitely part of the Yukon Territory. Sparsely settled with Eskimos who were harmless and peaceful, there was very little crime and disorder. The few trips he was obliged to make were in pursuit of criminals who had headed for the Northland with the hope that they wouldn't be followed. Such a criminal was Pierce James, a hardened and scrupulous killer. With him, and in complete contrast to him, was Pete Andrews, a boy of 19, who toiled up the icy slope of a mountain ridge after Pierce, weary and protesting. Pierce, I can't go any farther. Please stop. I'll stop you, that jellyfish. we got to get to that ledge before that blasted money comes around the bend. Let's give up, Pierce. I'm ready to quit. He's bound to get us. He won't get me. I'm getting him first. We're out of ammunition. We'll starve. We can't hunt. i got one bullet left. That's Sergeant Preston's name on it. I get him. Maybe we can find some Eskimos who feed us. It's him or us now. Backtracking up this ridge. We're going toward him. He's coming around the base of it. I want to get above him where I can shoot down. Can't afford to miss. Here. Get down behind this rock. Pierce. It isn't right. Shooting a man down like this, it's murder. I was out of my mind to bring a sniveling puppy like you with me. I thought you had nerve. I'd never come if I'd known what you really were. I wish now I'd shut never... up. There he is. Now if I can hit him. No, now... Pierce. Oh, you blasted little fool. Why did you grab on my gun? But murder. Yeah, it didn't matter. I got him. See, he's on his face. Now come on, we're getting out of here. But maybe he isn't dead. You can't go off and leave him. I suppose I'm going to go down there and let that lead dog chew me up. That's one reason I got up here to do it. But Pierce, you can't let a wounded man just lie there. You. You're just a murderer. Shut up, you crybaby. I'm through with you, too. And I don't need a bullet to make sure. Yeah. You'll freeze to death before you get conscious, you sniveling fool. As Sergeant Preston regained consciousness, he felt the soft, warm tongue of his lead dog, King, licking his face and heard his anxious whine. There was a dull ache in his head from striking the sled when he fell. And when he moved, a sharp stinging pain in his shoulder made him... Oh! King! King boy! Oh, my shoulder. What's wrong, boy? I'm coming to help you! Will you hold that dog back? Back, King. Steady, boy. Hold it. I'll keep my hands up. All right, come on. Down, King. All right, boy. This dog's been tailing both of you. Be careful. No funny business. Down, I say, King. Are you badly wounded? Well, not bad enough to be in danger with King here to watch you. What's the idea of this? I, I didn't want him to shoot you. He, 
He knocked me out and left me. I have no gun or food, and I don't know this country. I want to help you. For my own sake, as what's yours. Well, at least you're honest about it. She'd never gone with Pierce in the first place. He's a murderer. Why, you're just a kid. What's your name? Pete Andrews. It's all right, King. You won't hurt me, boy. Come on, Pete. I guess you better help me get on the sled. Down, King. It's all right, I say. Uh, I'm afraid he's not convinced. That's because he's been trailing you, and he knows I'm hurt. Go to the front of the team, King. Get the dogs up. There's an Eskimo family about two miles back. Guess we better get back to them before this blizzard hits. It was warm and comfortable in the igloo of Iraq, the Eskimo. Though only a small lamp of seal oil burned in the center of it, the little house of ice was snug and windproof. Preston lay on a couch of snow covered with caribou skins. Pete bent over him as he finished dressing the Mountie's wounds, while King watched at his side. There. I guess that does it. It's not a very good job, I'm afraid. That's all right, Pete. And Betty didn't shoot me a couple inches lower. I just missed my lung. I don't suppose you'll believe me, but I did try to grab the gun when he fired. Pierce is a deadly shot. Well, thanks, Pete. You probably think I'm just making that no. up. No. Pierce has a reputation for being accurate with a gun. I wondered how he happened to miss. When you fell, I was sure he hadn't. I must have hit my head on the sled when I fell. But he was accurate enough. I won't use this shoulder for a while. Are you comfortable now? <laughs> yes, I'm fine, thanks. It's all right, old fella. I'm going to live. Stop it, King. This place is too small for all that noise. It's the first time I've ever seen an igloo. It's nice of the Eskimos to take us in. They're friendly people. They share everything. Ah, it sounds like Iraq crawling in through the tunnel entrance. He's probably bringing us a raw fish dinner. We bring food. Big storm come up. Where'd you get here? A storm breaking, Iraq? Good. That may mean Pierce will be stopped for a couple of days. Maybe I'll be well enough. <laughs> well, who's this, Iraq? Her Ibnik, my wife. She speak only a little English. <laughs> Ibnik, you fix boots, scrape fur robes. I go feed dogs now. Come back soon. Sergeant, don't you think it's going to be rather crowded in here? Maybe I'd better sleep outside. No, Pete, not with a blizzard coming up. We'll make the best of it. Anyway, we can't insult Iraq. Look, Preston, that Eskimo woman's eating your boot. <laughs> oh, she's not eating it. She's softening it by chewing it with her teeth. That's one of the duties of an Eskimo wife. <laughs> she's are such happy people. Like children. Laugh all the time. They share all their possessions and have no economic problems. Yes, I guess they're always happy. Must be wonderful. Well, you sound almost envious, Pete. Yeah, I guess I am. I can't even remember a childhood without a lot of trouble. That's why I ran away from home. Oh. How'd you ever happen to get mixed up with a man like Pierce? Well, I landed in the Yukon without a dime. He taught me to win money gambling. I wasn't exactly honest the way we did it, but... Well, I was pretty desperate. And one night... Well, you know about it. Burnett caught Pierce cheating, and... During the fight, I hit him with a chair... I didn't mean to kill him. Why, Pete, you didn't kill Burnett. He was shot through the heart. Pierce killed him. Pierce? Well, I saw Pierce shoot, but but he said I killed him when I hit him. Pierce knew you were a witness to the shooting. That's why I didn't want you to stay behind. Then then you mean I won't hang the way you said I would? I don't think you're really bad, son. I can see that. Well, if you'll only let me help you, I'll make up for everything. You've done that already. As soon as this blizzard clears, perhaps I'll be well enough and we can both go after Pierce James. Now, uh, what's a piece of that fish to King? 
You'll have to begin by making friends with him. There you are, boy. It's all right, King. You can eat it. Pete's on our side now. It was two days before the blizzard was over. Iraq and Ibnak shared their food cheerfully, and Pete's loyalty and admiration for Preston grew each passing hour in the small igloo. But Preston's wound was serious. Every move meant pain. It looks pretty red and swollen. Uh, well, I just have to be quiet and give it more time, I guess. Storm over now. Me go hunt. Look in bear trap. Maybe fish. Why don't you take Pete with you, Iraq? He's never seen an Eskimo bear trap. Oh, you, you mean you trust me to go? Oh, of course I trust you, Pete. You need some exercise. Oh, and take King and the dog team. The run will do them good. You can handle a dog team, can't you, Iraq? Me drive dogs good. Maybe they haul bear carcass back. But, Sergeant, you're, you're still sick. I don't like to leave you. Ednick will take care of me, won't you? Give food. Me do. If anything goes wrong, she can get help. Her father will come. Well, if you think you'll be all right... I'll go with you, Iraq. We not gone long. Be back soon. Come on, King. It's all right, boy. Go with Pete. You need the exercise. You sure you'll be all right? I want some sleep. I'll be glad to be alone. I'm tired. I'll even send Ibnak packing for a while. Well, we'll be back soon. Come on, King. You eat? No, Ibnak. You tried to feed me five times today. I can't eat anymore. You drink? No, thanks. I uh, just want to sleep. Fix boots. You fixed them. They're soft and dry. Thanks. Why don't you go and visit your sister for a while? Me fix strap. I've told you, Ibnak, don't touch that gun or holster. That gun can kill you. Me no afraid. Strap got wet. It hard. Well, go see your sister. Iraq and Pete with the dog team had made a wide circle from his bear trap to his favorite fishing hole. As they neared the spot which they had marked carefully in the ice, King suddenly stopped the team. What's wrong, King? Look at him, Iraq. What's he doing? Him find trail or something. Why, he's running off by himself. King, come back here. Him gone. Look, tracks in snow. Tracks? Oh, you're right, Iraq. Is that the direction we take when we go back to your igloo? Yes. Maybe some Eskimo from family come fish. Iraq, let's go back. King Act is so funny. Him gone, we no catch. Come fish. No, Iraq, let's not fish. We're going back to Sergeant Preston. Iraq's igloo was built at the edge of a group of Eskimo huts. There was no one around when a weary figure dragged itself toward the narrow tunnel that led into it. Twice the man fell, and finally crawled on all fours into the entrance. As the figure appeared in the interior of the igloo, Preston stirred. Oh, you back so soon, Ibnak? I, I have to have food. Pierce, where'd you come from? You. How did you get here? I, I thought I shot you. My gun. Don't come any closer, Pierce. I don't see no gun. I'm starving. I ain't had food for two days. But I ain't too weak to get you first. Here, stand back or I'll shoot. Why don't you show me your gun? You're helpless. You ain't got a gun and, and you're wounded. I'm warning you. Stay back. You can't move your right arm. If you had a gun, you'd show it. Well, I got this knife. 
I can finish the job. I got enough strength left. All right, Pierce. Come on. You're... You're helpless, Preston. I'll drive this knife so deep. Get him! Get him, boy! Get him. Take him off! Now get away, you devil! Preston, pull him off me! Come on! All right, King, you've got him. I'll watch him, fella. Don't let him up. Back, you devil! I'll, I'll kick your teeth in! I'll lie there quietly if I were you, Pierce. King doesn't seem to like you very well. Call him off! Where, where did he come from? He must have crossed your tail somewhere. Remember, he was told to get you. Good boy, King. Watch him. But lucky for me that you recognize his scent. Me fix that. Who's him? Ibnak, why did you take my gun and belt? I told you not to it touch hard. it. hard. Me chew him soft. Me scrape. All good now. Ibnak, give me that gun. It was three weeks later that Sergeant Preston, Pete, and King reported to Inspector McGee at headquarters in Dawson. I don't see how you did it, Sergeant. Guarding a man like Pierce and an igloo all that time until you were well enough to travel. I had King and Pete to help me, Inspector. I couldn't have done it without him. Oh, yes, he could have done it, Inspector. Even wounded and sick, he directed everything. It was wonderful. Well, you seem to admire the Sergeant a lot, Pete. Well, he, he showed me what a real man is made of, sir. And Pete? I think you showed me the makings of a real man. Pete, how would you like to be a Mountie someday? Oh, gosh. Would you? Do you mean I could really well, be... Well, a... if the sergeant will recommend you. Uh, what do you think, King? <laughs> yes, boy. It looks as if we found a new recruit. <laughs> Challenge of the Yukon. On King! On your Huskies! (laughs) The Wonder Dog King, swiftest and strongest of Eskimo League dogs, blazes the trail through storm and snow for Sergeant Preston as he meets the Challenge of the Yukon. (laughs) Sergeant Preston was typical of the small band of Northwest Mounted Police who preserve law and order in the new Northwest country, where the greed for wealth and power led to frequent violence and bloodshed. But in spite of the odds against them, Sergeant Preston and his wonder dog king met that challenge, and justice ruled triumphant. Old Tom Dumphy had been in the Yukon for over ten years. By prospecting and trapping, he had saved enough to come to Dawson City with $10,000 cash. The Golden Ace Cafe was crowded with noisy miners as old Tom talked to two men at a table. You see, we wouldn't sell out except we can't work two claims. It takes both of us to handle one. Well, that rock sure showed plenty of gold, but I can't give you that much money for it. I just plumb in got it. We gotta sell quick. What's your best offer, Duffy? Well, to tell you the truth, I got exactly ten thousand uh, dollars. I'm afraid we can't do business. Right, you could probably take that much out of this mine in a month or less. Well, now, Dave, come to think of it, that ain't such a bad offer. 
We don't know any more than Dumpy here just how far back that vein goes. We know there's plenty there, and he knows you'll get that much money back, but uh, we've got no way of... How about all them huskies of yours, Dumpy? You could sell them, or, well, we'd be willing to... Oh, no, sirree, them dogs ain't for sale. I love every last one of them. Why, they've been my only companions. $10,000 is awful cheap for that claim. Well, you can take it or leave it. I've been living all alone in the wilderness with my dogs, and I ain't much at bargaining. Now, it's either yes or no. Uh-huh. You planning to work the mine all alone? Nope. The reason I wanted to buy one is because I'm planning to bring my nephew up here. He's alone now that my brother died, and he's a fine, strong young man, and we can work it together. What do you say, Dave? I'm willing to settle it now. We just ain't got the time to find another buyer. Come on, let's give Tom a break. Well, I hate to do it, but... Good. The mine's yours, Tom. It's a deal. We'll draw up the papers tomorrow, and I'll write my nephew, and we'll start working the mine right away. at all. I've been working this darn mine for two weeks and can't get nothing out of it. I don't understand. Well, I guess ain't no doubt about it. You've been swindled. Swindled? But I dug rock out of here myself before I bought this mine. It was full of gold. It showed... Yeah. They saw to it you dug in the right places. Right places? Ain't you never heard of salt in a mine? Salt in a mine? Yeah, shooting gold us into rock with a shotgun. Selling it to someone itching to own a gold mine. You mean that them skunks would take a man's life savings? Cheat him out of everything he's worked and saved for? <laughs> they sure took off in a hurry, didn't they? They ain't got another claim around here at all, the way they said. Well, that finishes it. I should have stayed up where I was alone with my dogs. They're the only things a man should ever trust anyway. Humans are nothing but a heap of lies and deceit. Cheats, murderers, thieves. But Tom, they ain't all I guess. And I never want to see another one again as long as I live. I'm taking my dogs and going back to the wilderness. And if ever any lying, two-legged skunk comes within a mile of me, I'll fill him full of buckshot. Sergeant Preston, driving his dog team on the trail into Dawson... Halted as they saw a young man trudging toward him on a bypath. Hello. Are you to Dawson? Yes, I am. I'll throw your pack on my sled and come with me. Be easy for you. Oh, thanks, sir. It is pretty heavy. Oh, this will help a lot. Thanks. Always nice to have company on the trail. On, King! On, you huskies! It sure gets cold up in this country, doesn't it? Yes, but you get used to it. You a newcomer? Oh, I've been here about three weeks. I, I've had a rather odd time of it. Are you alone? My uncle sent for me. I lived in the states, but, but when I got here, he was gone, and nobody seems to know where. You mean he just disappeared? Well, an old prospector told me he'd gone up into the wilderness with his dogs because, well, he'd been cheated when he bought his mine. He simply abandoned it. And me too, I guess. Oh, what have you been doing since then? Well, I, I. I didn't know what else to do, so I've been working the mine. I didn't have enough money to get back home, so figured maybe I could get enough out of it to get me back to the States at least. That ain't luck. The old prospector told me about my uncle, said 
There was no gold in it at all. So I started all over again from a different direction. You know, I hit some rock today that looked different. That's what's in my pack. Do, uh, do you know anything about mining? A little. I see what you found. Hurting! Hurry, you huskies! Here, I'll, I'll get it for you. What do you think of it? Well, I'd say you've hit something, son. Do you really think so? Are you sure this is on your uncle's claim? Oh, it's about 100 yards south of the present opening. You better check it at the assay office. And I think I'd better start looking for your uncle. Do you think I ought to go with you? You'll have to stay here and work your mind if you want to keep it. What's the name of the prospector who knew your uncle? I'd like to talk to him. Well, his name's Jed Loomis. That's all you know about old Tom, eh, son? Yep. I sure wish I could tell you more about him, Sergeant. But old Tom didn't ever tell me much. Well, you've helped me some, Jed. At least we know he's somewhere northwest of here. He was awful sour on the world when he left. Said he was through with humans. Had no use for anything but dogs. Can't blame him much. Guess the best way to trace him is a trading post. He had to get supplies. When Sergeant Preston arrived at Pierre Levan's trading post in Fielding's Landing, he found everyone in a high pitch of excitement. Place. That's what I'd say to do. Here is Sergeant Preston. Maybe he can help us. No. For sure, Sergeant. Hello, boys. What's all the excitement? Sergeant, we have bad problem here at Fielding's Landing. Crazy man has moved in deserted cabin on Fisherman Point. A crazy man? He shoots at everyone who goes near his cabin. You can't even go by his place on the river in a boat without getting a load of buckshot sprayed at you. How long has he been here? About three weeks ago he moved in. He's old man. Lives all alone with dogs. The only thing to do is shoot the old fool. Surround the cabin and shoot him. Yeah, I think you'd better let me handle this alone, boys. But alone, you cannot do it. Even at night, his dogs bark if anyone come close and boom, boom, his shotgun starts. Has he shot anyone yet? No. Everybody run other way. The point ain't far from the past where I go to my trap lines. And I ain't aiming to have a pot shot taken at me every time I go out to them. Well, boys, give me a couple of days and I'll get him out of there for you. You don't know what you're up against, Sergeant. If I need any help, I may call on you. But I think I can handle it. King here will help me, won't you, boy? The next morning, Sergeant Preston sat on a hillside overlooking Fisherman's Point. He watched old Tom Dumpy through a pair of field glasses as Pierre explained the hopelessness of trying to approach him. Yeah, you see, you can get to him from only one direction unless you use boat. There is no tree, no cover. He can see anyone who tries to come to him. He sure is crazy about those dogs of his, petting them and feeding them as if they were children. He sure is crazy about something, that I know. He hates people, hates anything human. Then why he not go up in mountains somewhere? Instead of picking out best fishing point in territory. If I could just get close enough to talk... You to get peppered with buckshot, you try it. I think I figured out a way to do it. We? <laughs> how, how you do that? He won't hurt King if he goes in to see him. If King's there first, I shouldn't have any trouble. Uh, he loves dog, that is true. Come here, King. Put your paw up here, boy. Sergeant, what you do? Tearing my hand. I'm going to put a bandage around his foot to make him look lame. If he goes to old Tom limping, it might give me more time to get closer while Tom's fixing his foot. I know you don't like it, fellow, but it won't be on there long. No, King, don't touch it. 
Leave it on there, boy. He'll bite it off when he leaves you. He won't if I tell him not to. There you are, fella. Now let's see you walk. Look. Look how he limp. Now he try to bite it. King, no, I say. Don't touch that foot. Poor dog. See? He tried to understand. Now, King, you see that man? Down there, boy. Go to him, King. No, don't touch that foot. I know it's tough, old fellow, but you must do it. Go on, boy. Down there, go to him. Pierre sat on the hillside watching through Sergeant Preston's field glasses as the Mountie crept down after King, taking advantage of every bit of covering there was. King picked his way carefully as best he could on three legs, puzzled at the strange whim of his master's. As he approached old Tom Dumpy in front of his cabin, the dog sensed the friendliness in the old man, in the way he commanded his dogs to be quiet. Oh, now keep still, you scallywags. You action. You, you, James. This ain't no two-legged vomit. He's just a nice, friendly dog. All right, all right. If you won't behave, you're going into the cabin. Now, get in there, all of you. Go on, scatter, scatter. There, now. What's the matter with your foot, boy? Come here and let old Tom have a look at it. Hmm. Now, you wait just a second till I get my knife open. We'll have that bandage off in two shakes. Hold still, fella, hold still. I get this under that knot. There. Well, of all that... There ain't nothing wrong with your foot. Why in thunder did anyone put a bandage on it? I can't even see a cut or... What's the matter? What you looking at? Hey, you! Stand back here! Get off of my land! Get back, I tell you, I'll blow your blasted head off! Put on that gun, Tom Dumpy! I don't care whether you know my name or not! Get off of my land! All right! I give you fair warning, now you're going to get... Don't try to pick up that gun, or that dog will stop you. Wait! That's the first dog that ever attacked me! Just after I fixed his foot. King was obeying orders, Tom. I'm Sergeant Preston of the Royal Mounted Police. I've come to take you back to Dawson. All right, King. I've got his gun. Let him up. I know, old fella. I bet you hated to knock him over. He's not a bad man, are you, Tom? I, I don't want to go back to Dawson. I don't trust humans. I don't ever want to see any of them again. Your nephew's waiting for you, Tom. And I think you'll find that he'll restore your faith in human nature. He's as fine a lad as you could find anywhere. My, my nephew... He's anxious for you to get back to help him with your mine. What, well, that mine ain't any good. They salted it with gold and swindled me out of my savings. Funny part of it is, Tom, they swindled themselves without knowing it. What? Your nephew discovered a rich vein of gold about a hundred yards south of the place you were digging. You're a rich man. Uh, which? Come on, Tom. Pack up your things and get ready. We're going back. It was a month later when Sergeant Preston drew up in front of old Tom Dumpy's mine. Tom and his nephew were working busily, but stopped as they saw the mountain. Hello, King! Hello, hello there, Tom. Hello, Jack. Hey, hello, Sergeant. How are you, Sergeant Preston? How's the mine coming? Well, we're getting richer by the minute. This is one of the best mines in the Yukon. And if here ain't my old pal King, how are you, boy? We're always glad to see you, Tom. I guess he never has been able to figure out why he had to jump you at Fielding's Landing. Well, I'm sure glad he did it. I don't know what I'd do without my uncle. And I'm glad you did it too, boy. 
for a minute there, I almost lost my faith in dogs. But what you really did was show me what a consigned old dunderhead I was. Now, any time he needs a home sergeant, that old invitation still stands. He can always live with us. I'm afraid that day will never come, Don. I couldn't do without you, could I, boy? <laughs> The Challenge of the Yukon. On King! On you, Husky! The Wonder Dog King, swiftest and strongest of Eskimo lead dogs, blazes the trail through storm and snow for Sergeant Preston as he meets the Challenge of the Yukon. Sergeant Preston was typical of the small band of Northwest Mounted Police who preserved law and order in the new Northwest country where the greed for wealth and power led to frequent violence and bloodshed. But in spite of the odds against them, Sergeant Preston and his wonder dog king met that challenge and justice ruled triumphant. Were you ever out in the silent cold... Where the Yukon snows lie deep, with the wailing howl of a timber wolf to lull you off to sleep, with eyes like a circle of fiery coals, the huskies sit round in the snow and howl to the moon in the silent sky their dismal wail of woe. Such was the setting when Sergeant Preston lay beside his campfire, his great dog king at his side. It was the hour just before dawn. Suddenly, the great dog raised his head. His ears pricked forward. What's the matter, boy? Something coming? Hmm, it's not morning yet. I wonder who... Quiet, boy, I hear it. Hello there. Who is it? Me, Atena. Atena, hello. Down, King. Quiet. What are you doing on the trail this hour, Atena? Sergeant Preston. How... Me leave my camp. Bad spirits come. Bad spirits? Come down to the fire here and tell me about it. We have to hurry. Leave on boat. Go far away this part country. God of mountain angry. Now listen, Yotena. You're one of the smartest young Indians in Yukon. You really don't believe that. Me hear him. Old Kuna. He know what God of mountain say. He tell me. But Yotena, you shouldn't listen to Kuna. He must be a hundred years old. Your gold claim is one of the richest in the Yukon. You can't leave it. Tell me what happened. Me go town three nights back, away all night. Old Kuna, him live on mountain. Him say, that night God of mountain speak loud. Boom. All mountain shake, rock fall, stream change course, mountain sheep Kuna kill. likes to exaggerate a bit. Remember, he likes to tell tales. Kuna not lie. I come back. God of mountain throw rocks, stop passage where I dig. Now he cry out when I go in to dig. Say, not take gold from him. Someone may be trying to scare you away, Yatena. If you leave your claim for 72 hours, someone else can take it, you know. No. Kuna, him come listen. Him tell what mountain god say. If man take gold, he die. Kuna has too good an imagination here. Roll up in that buffalo robe. 
We'll go back to town in the morning, then up to your claim. Perhaps the God of the Mountain will speak to me. Here, Tana, and see if I can pick up some information. Well, me go store. All right, I'll meet you back here in about an hour. Come on, King. Hello, Sergeant. Hello, Preston. Hi. Hello, boys. How are you, Sam? How's business? Oh, everything's fine. What do you have, Sergeant? Oh, nothing for me, thanks. Any excitement around here since I left? Oh, nothing much. Jim Crothers had a ruckus the other night over a poker game. A couple of shots were fired, but nobody got hurt. That's about all. What started that? Well, he was playing with some guy by the name of Blackie Morton. Jim saw him cheating and called him on it. Blackie Morton? What's he doing around here? Well, he ain't here anymore. Checked out of town the next day. Guess he figured it wasn't healthy for him. <laughs> you know him? We're not what you'd call friendly. He's been in trouble off and on for three or four years. For cheating at cars? Cheating at practically everything. Stealing gold from claims. Nobody knows exactly how he makes a living. Well, I'm glad he didn't stick around. Where'd he stay while he was here? I put him up in a little room behind the bar here. Nobody ever uses it. Kicked him out right after the fight. Why? Are you looking for him? No, not exactly. Any other strangers been around? Yeah, some. Mostly prospectors bringing in their dust and having a little fun before going back to their claims. Nobody important. Sam, would you mind if King and I looked in that room where Blackie slept? Why, sure. Come on. I'll take you right now. Hey, Jim, watch the bar for a minute, will you? Sure, Sam. And don't give away too many drinks. I'll watch <laughs> Come on, Sergeant, uh, this way. Come on, Jim. I uh, locked the room up after we left, put some things of mine in it. I guess you'll find it kind of dirty. Ain't been clean for a while. No, that's all right. Uh, here you are. Mm. Smells bad in here. Guess I should have added out after Blackie left. I wonder if Blackie left anything behind, anything personal. Well, help yourself if he did. He cleared out kind of sudden. Come here, King. Take a whiff of these blankets. Well, you can take the blankets if you want, Sergeant. I ain't using them. No, that won't be necessary. Uh, do you suspect Blackie or something? Can't tell yet. King! King, boy, what'd you find? Boy, he's got an old moccasin. Where'd you get that, boy? Give it to me, fella. Hmm. This belong to you, Sam? No, never seen it before. Yes, Blackie must have left it. King picked it up after he smelled the blankets. Belongs to the same person, they thought. <laughs> Sometimes that dog seems to figure things out as good as a human. Well, take this moccasin with us, Sam, if you don't mind. Why, uh, ain't you going to stay around for a few days, Sergeant? Not this time, Sam. King and I have a little investigating to do, haven't we, fella? <laughs> Preston and the Indian Yatena approached the cave in the mountains where Yatena's flame was staked. King slowed the team and his ears pricked forward. He stopped the dog just as Sergeant Preston was about to give the command. Listen. You hear that? Is that the noise you meant, Yatena? No. Noise different. Look. Smoke from cave. Yes, there is smoke coming out of See, it. See, God of Mountain, him mad. Him spit out fire soon. Come, we go. Well, this mountain isn't volcanic, Athena. Somebody's in that cave. Chang, stop that howling. Sergeant, I give up claim. God of Mountain, him kill me, maybe. 
Now make smoke. Nonsense, Shatana. You stay here if you're fighting. King and I'll find out what it is. Come on, boy. Look, Sergeant. Do not go in cave. You watch the dogs. It is a little weird, isn't it, boy? But I think you can tell the difference between a man and a spirit. Take it easy, boy. Here we are. The smoke is bad. As Preston went into the dark, smoke-filled cave, he saw a strange sight. A weird, wrinkled old figure huddled into a blanket, crouched before a small fire. Long gray hair hung over the wizened face in thin, stringy locks. Two small, piercing black eyes gleamed up at him, reflecting the firelight. The smoke smelled sweet, almost sickening. The chanting stopped, but suddenly the hair on King's back rose as from somewhere in the darkness of the cave came the weirdest sound Preston had ever heard. It was like a soul in torment. Recognize you. What are you doing? Me burn herbs. Stop wrath of Yako, God of Mountain. You go. Come on, Yatana. It's only Kuna. There's nothing here to hurt you. Here. Listen. Hear what Yako say. Come on, boy. We're going to look around in here and see what this is all about. Where smoke come from? It's only Kuna burning some herbs. Funny smelling ones. White man not know. Smoke and fire keep evil spirits away. Yako like smoke and fire. Doesn't seem to be any opening anywhere. Here, King. Here's Blackie's moccasin. See if you can find any sign of him. That's the boy. Get the scent. in canoe. Big storm come up. Yako turn two big wave to stone. Make mountains. Yako take care of his children on mountain. Paint top of it like sky. So wild goose will strike it and fall dead. Food for Yako's bears on mountain. Yako cover mountain with snow blanket to keep warm in winter. Green blanket for summer. Yako, god of mountain, him not want man hurt mountain with sharp axe and shovel. Sergeant, you hear? You hear god of mountain speak. Yes, Satana. I'm going to find out why. White man be sorry. Yako say go. Say, look. Look at the way the smoke from the fire is going out of this cave. Is there an opening back there somewhere? No. No opening. That Yako, god of mountain, breathing. Smoke, go out. Hear him? Him angry. King, find something, boy. King knows it's not a spirit talking. Look, he's digging in that loose rubble. That where god of mountain throw rocks down. Passage there where gold is. Find something, boy. Give it here. Look, Yatena, King's found a mitten. Is this yours? No. 
Mitten, not mine. Come on, Yotena. We're following King's lead. Get your pickaxe and shovel. We're going to clear those rocks from that passage. <laughs> no. Yako, not like. God, the mountain kill you. Yotena, you must help me. Don't listen to Kuna. Look at King. If that were a spirit making that noise, he'd know it, wouldn't he? Yes. Spirit talk to him. And he'd run out of the cave if Yako told him, wouldn't he? Him not afraid. Well, get your shovel and axe, Shatema. See? King's starting to dig by himself. We're almost through, Yotena. Yeah, help me move this rock. Well, I have an opening big enough for King. Let me help. Big enough. Go through, King. In there, boy. Maybe him never come back. I'm not worried about King. He isn't growling, though. God of Mountain, take him. Hurry, Athena. Help me make this opening larger. There. Wish it weren't so dark in here. Get a stick of wood from Kuna's fire. That'll give us some light. Uh, here, burning stick. I'll go first. Come on. that big crack in the wall of the cave. Was that there before? No. Me not see before. Well, that's where the noise is coming from. Something cracked that wall, and when the wind blows, the god of the mountain speaks. How does wall crack if not Yako do it? Well, you got me there. This mountain isn't volcanic. Maybe it's just settled it. King! What's the matter, boy? He's found something in that heap of rubble. This light's so dim it. Well, Yotena, King's found it. Here's the explanation of everything. Oh, man. Him dead. Yes, Blackie Morton. He's half buried in these rocks. You think him try steal gold? He was out for a big haul this time. Remember what Kuna said about the mountain going boom? Hmm. Blackie used dynamite. He waited until you left for the night and used that to get the gold in a hurry. Last break mountain may crack. Must have gone off too soon before Blackie could get out. God of mountain... Drop rocks on him. Well, have it your way. You Indians are children of the mountain. Yako protects you, too. So don't desert your claim, Yatena. <laughs> yes, old fellow, you knew it was a man and not a spirit. Good work, boy. Challenge of the Yukon. On King! On you, The Wonder Dog King, swiftest and strongest of Eskimo lead dogs, blazes the trail through storm and snow for Sergeant Preston as he meets the Challenge of the Yukon. Sergeant Preston was typical of a small band of Northwest Mounted Police. Law and order in the new Northwest country, where the greed for wealth and power led to frequent violence and bloodshed. But in spite of the odds against them, Sergeant Preston and his wonder dog king met that challenge, and justice ruled triumphant. King had been injured in a fight with timber wolves, and as Sergeant Preston was on patrol duty, 
It left the dog with some friends, Terry and Beth Clark, in their cabin at Silver Point. It was afternoon of the day on which Sergeant Preston had promised to return. Beth Clark was giving some final instructions to Lucan, her Indian cook. Here, Lucan. I've made out a list of the supplies we need. Give it to the factory at the trading post. He'll help you load everything onto the sled. Mm. Have you hitched up the team? Uh, me do. Then you better get started so you'll be back home before sundown. What's the matter, Luton? Me not like make trip now. Well, why not? It's a nice day. The trail's packed hard. Early this like... morning, Luton hunt, shoot rabbit. <laughs> well, I know. But we can't live on a steady diet of rabbit for the next two weeks. We need bacon, flour, coffee, me and... Me not stuff. mean that. When Lucan hunt rabbit, me go near Chinook Indian camp. What? What see there? Plenty bad. Chinook? You mean that... Drink firewater. Make bad medicine. How, how can the Indians get whiskey? There isn't a trading post in the Yukon that dares to sell it to them. Chinooks not buy firewater. White man give to them. White man? You mean renegades? Mm. That's why Lucan think maybe best he not make trip. Stay here. If Chinook go on warpath, not good you be here alone. I... No, you go ahead, Lucan. King is here with me, aren't you, boy? And Sergeant Preston is coming back today. I'll be all right. Maybe better you go up to mine. Stay with Mr. Clark till him come home. Why, yes. Yes, that's a good idea, Lucan. King and I'll go to the mine and wait for Terry. Mm. Me go now. Oh, I think Lucan's borrowing trouble. Talking about Chinooks on the warpath. Well, we'll go up to the mine anyway, hmm? How about it, King? <laughs> I can do us good. Until I strap on my snowshoes. <laughs> Keep up with you if I ran every step of the way. Oh, Terry must be working at the end of the chair. Terry! Oh, Terry! There! What are you doing up here? Oh, Lucan went to the post to get supplies, so King and I decided to take a hike. Good. I'll finish working about an hour and we'll all go home together. Sergeant Preston will be there for supper, won't he? I hope so. And I know that King. But Terry, where'd he go? Who? King. He must have gone into the mines. He'll get hurt again. <laughs> Don't worry. All you'll find at the end of this shaft is there's a wall of solid rock that I've been picking at for the past six months. Oh. He'll come out in a minute. Oh, I, I'd hate for There he is now, right behind you. What? How could he possibly... I mean, I didn't see him come out of the shaft. I guess he's too fast for you, Beth. There's no other way out, is a boy, huh? <laughs> Terry, did Luke Hunt tell you about seeing anything unusual while he was hunting rabbits this morning? Seeing anything? Uh-huh. What do you mean? Well, I, I don't think it's important. Wait a but... minute. Well, what's wrong? Look over there. Just the side of the ridge. Well, it's a big crowd. Of... <gasps> Chinooks. And if I'm any good at reading Indian sign, they're on the warpath. Well, that's what Lucan said. Some white men have been giving them whiskey. No matter what caused it, we've got to get out of their way. I'll get my snowshoes. We'll head for the training post. Oh, Terry, they'll burn our cabin. That's better than burning us. Well, couldn't we stay here in the mine? Too dangerous. The mine won't stop half a hundred Chinooks when they're loaded with whiskey. Come on before they spot us. All right. King will break trail for us. Come on, boy. <laughs> so good. I don't think they've spotted us. Look, Terry. They're not going toward the cabin. They're heading south toward the river. Yeah. Wait. 
I think King's found something. Look, sled tracks. Leading back toward our place. Oh, thank heaven. Maybe Sergeant No, this is our sled. I can tell by the runner marks. Luke Hunt. He's passed here on his way home with the supplies. Yes, and if the Chinooks find him, they might... Beth, you go on to the post. What do you mean? I'm going back. Try to find Luke If you go back, so will I. Be sensible, Beth. Go on to the post. Worry myself to death? We'll stay together, Terry. All right. There's no time to argue about it. Come on, King. How about it, Joe? Take care of Lucan. Uh, me get him good. Knife and back. All right. You jabber this Chinook lingo. Tell a couple of those drunken redskins to drag him away from here. Uh, where? Any place. Behind that clump of pine trees down the trail will be all right. Hola, Waska. Akemi. Hola. Seung. That's better. What we do with dog team? Keep him here? Why not? Be a good piece of bait for Clark and his wife. We burn cabin? Oh, not yet. That'd scare him off. Cheat us out of the pay dirt in his claim. No savvy. Come on. I'll show you. Give me a match. Almost dark. Time to light the lamp. Put it in the window. Now, come on. (laughs) Why are you laughing? Just thinking. A lamp in the window means somebody's waiting for you. That's what we're doing. Waiting for a gentleman, a lady named Clark. There's a light. Lucan must be here. Yeah, I guess the Redskins didn't see him. Oh, funny he didn't unharness the dogs or take the supplies off the sled. That's not like Lucan. Terry. What's wrong? Look at King. He acts as a... He won't stay here. He's heading back toward the post. King! Here, King! He brought us home. I guess he figures his job's done. Maybe he thinks it's time for the sergeant to show up. Let's go in and ask Lucan. Lucan! Lucan! Where is he? He isn't here. Sled's outside. The lamp's lit, but... Something's wrong, Terry. It does seem kind of queer. Just, just... Oh, Terry! Down. Quick, close the door. Oh. Harry, you're hurt. Just creased my shoulder. The lamp. Pull it out. Hurry. Yes, sir. There. It was a trap and we walked right into it. I don't understand. They must be in those pine trees, the other side of the clearing. Waited until we made targets of ourselves with the light behind us. Who, Terry? Who's trying I to get... I don't know, but I'll bet it's not an Indian. This is no red Indian trick. The safest place for us is up at the mine. We've got to get out of here, head for the mine. But how can we? Back door. If they don't know about that. If we can make it, it's, it's dark enough outside. Come on, Beth. Your shoulder, Terry. You've been shot. Here, but... for that later. Right now, we've got to run. Keep your head down, Beth, and run. King, ho, ho, boys. Oh, King, old fella. 
how are you? <laughs> yes, King, I'm glad to see you. Well, what are you doing out here on the trail? I thought you'd be waiting at Terry Clark's cabin. Now, what is it? What's wrong, boy? Hmm, that deserted Indian village, and the report that Mort Bracker and a half-breed are in this vicinity isn't so good. Up in front, King! On King! On you, Malamute! This is what you were trying to tell me. A war party of Chinook Indians in front of Terry Clark's mine. We'll leave the team here and see what's the trouble. Terry's trying to hold them off single-handed. We're outnumbered if we try to... What is it, King? You mean... Well, yes, boy, we could circle and come up behind the ridge, but that wouldn't help us reach Terry. Well, all right, you know this ground better than I do. We'll try it. Lead off, King! I'm afraid you guessed wrong this time, King. We're too far away from the mine to... Wait! King! Well, I'll be... A natural tunnel under this overhang, and it must lead... Well, go ahead, boy. I'm right behind you. Almost out of ammunition, Beth. Can't hold them off much longer. Oh, Terry, why is this happening to us? What have we ever done to cause Here the Indians... Here is Uncle Chinooks. The answer is right over there at the edge of the crowd. But I can't get him under my sights. What? I mean, who? Renegade white man. Name's Mort Bracker. I've seen him in Dawson and Circle City. But I never thought he'd go so... What's that? Sounds like a dog. Behind us. What? That can't be true. Nothing back there but the end of the shaft. Why, it's King. King, how in the world did you get... This is his own private entrance, Mrs. Clark. But I'm glad he found it. Sergeant Preston. Sergeant... How did you get in here? I'm just as surprised as you are, Terry. All I did was follow King. There's a tunnel from the outside ridge that cuts into a cross bridge to a main shaft. Well, be... Why, King must have used it before, but we didn't realize it. Can all of us get out that way, Sergeant? These drunken redskins are moving closer all the time. With Mort Bracker egging them on. Mort Bracker, eh? That all adds up. But how did you know? Well, I've been telling him and a half-breed called Kovac Joe. They're both out there. Look. Hmm. You see them? I'll handle them later. The important thing to do now is to get out of here the same way King and I came in. Lead off, boy. What? What's that? That was blasting powder. Evidently, Mortbacker wants to be sure Terry and you aren't still alive in that shaft. Do you think he'll come back here to the cabin when he finds out that he I'm didn't... sure of it. He'll want to burn the cabin, wipe out all traces, and then blame it onto the Indians. Why? Why does he want to get The hurt? idea is to steal a gold claim, one of Bracker's favorite tricks. Then he must have murdered Luca. And we'll find out. Quiet. Someone's coming. King has their scent. You're under arrest, Bracker. The Mounty House. Oh, my arm. I got a slug in my arm. Come on, Joe, we'll run for it. After them, King. I'll go with you, Sergeant. No, stay here, Terry. The sergeant's after them, but it's two against one. Not with King. He's equal to three men in a fight like that. (laughs) 
circle them, King. Up on the other side. You're in the middle, Blacker. Better give up. enough, King. I've got him covered now. No. Up those guns and reach, both of you. All right, we got him up. Now turn around and start walking. You're both going to headquarters and the charge is murder. Now march. You've done another good job, boy. Yes, King, old boy. Thanks to you, the case is closed. Blizzard of the Yukon, Silver Point Renegades, God of the Mountain, Old Tom, and Arctic Chase. Five installments of Challenge of the Yukon with uh, Sergeant Preston and his dog, King. There's so many fantastic uh, old-time radio shows out there, but the one, I love this. I love Sergeant Preston. I love King. I love Challenge of the Yukon. There's like 600 episodes. Uh, I didn't like it when they went to TV because it kind of took away the, you know, your, your your mind's eye is developing and, and you know, all the pictures and everything is going on inside your head. And then when you get to TV, sometimes it kind of uh, numbs that uh, feeling. And so I, I wasn't really thrilled with the uh, Sergeant Preston Challenge of the Yukon uh, TV series that was there. It was kind of lame. But uh, the audio series, WXYZ and the players at WXYZ did such a really good job at uh, this show. And it, the, it does last forever. It really does. But yeah, that was a great suggestion for uh, some information and some fun and some inspiration for the Great White North. So I thank, uh, I thank Arnie who suggested that. But with that being said, thank you again for joining me for this episode, the belated episode of Shot and Shield, the Supercast. Uh, once again, I want to thank you very much for being patient with me as I'm working out some of these voice issues. As you can hear, it's a little on the raspy side, but hopefully next episode will be in a better, better place uh, voice-wise. But I do uh, want to thank you for your patience uh, in me putting this uh, episode out. I know it's uh, it's late, and I hate I hate that it's late. Can I tell you? I have so, so much hate that it's late. I, I Just one day, and I go, I go mental. You know, now it's been more than a week and I'm out of my mind. <laughs> but anyway, like I said, thank you for joining me for this episode of Shot and Shield. Remember, you can uh, always email me or hit me on the Twitter, uh, Twitter or X or whatever it's called now. Uh, it's at Shot and Shield. Uh, you can do that or you can hit me uh, on the email shotandshield at gmail.com. If you have any questions or critiques, suggestions, whatever, I'll answer them. That's just the way it is. You know, you know, I do. Uh, And you've been listening in London, England, Cape Town, South Africa, and Buenos Aires in the Argentine. This has been the Shot and Shield Supercast, a podcast dedicated to 19th century wargaming and history, a podcast meant to be heard while you're painting your miniatures and building your terrain. I am your host, the Grand Duke Scott of the Duchy of Florida, and I'm out. This has been a production of the Experience 13 Podcast Network. 13! Your electricity. 13!